My name is Gil, uh, and I am super happy to be here with you at Bay Hills. This is just a wonderful congregation. I have way too little time to tell you way too much fun stuff. So if you would, let's just pray and seek God's face and see how he launches into this topic this morning. Heavenly Father, thanks for loving us. I pray that your embrace and your, your love would be on us. Open our ears to hear from you. We desperately need it as we explore your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When I first became a Christian, I was kind of taught that prayer was kind of a requisition of heaven, you know, kind of like, uh, my name's Jimmy, I'll take all you gimme. And, uh, and it's kind of like, that's kind of the way I saw prayer. And eventually you give up on prayer if that's the way you think it is, because you don't get much back. It's like, if I was to send orders into Amazon all the time and never got anything back, I would give up on it. And what I want to talk with you about is I want to help you understand prayer in a way that will really blow your mind. It, it, it will just open up the possibilities because what we want to do is get God to talk back. Have you ever had one of those calls where you're making and then you've been talking for some period of time and the other person would dropped off and you just feel like a fool? And that's not what prayer is supposed to be like. But many times the way we've been taught to pray, that's what it feels like. So what I want to do is have you open your Bibles if you have one. Um, if you have your phone, you can pull that out and look at uh, Luke chapter 11. Let's hit this next one there. Um, basically, in Luke chapter 11, it's the most interesting beginning discussion of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer three different times, but this one in Luke 11 is the last one, and I think it's the most interesting. He is getting up super early. He didn't tell the disciples. So when the disciples wake up in the morning, they, they can't find Jesus. We lost him. Ah, ah, where's the master? And they find him somewhere distant, most likely in a little ditch behind a bush, praying to the father. Now, they don't want to interrupt Jesus talking to the father as you wouldn't either. What they're amazed at is they kind of go, they're listening to one half of the conversation between Jesus and God the Father. And it's fascinating to them, so they don't interrupt him. But what's interesting is, is that as soon as they're done, as soon as Jesus is done, they say, could, could you teach us to pray like you just prayed? Which means we don't pray like that. And that was amazing. Could we do that? Now, what most of us would think is, is that Jesus would say, well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me sit down and give you this big, long treatise and tell you about the ins and outs of secret praying. And so the disciples are like, and he gives them something that they've already heard. He says, basically, if you want to have a great prayer life like I've just had with God, and you heard me have, you need to focus on six topics, six topics. God wants to talk with you back and forth on six topics. Now, we have... We have made these six topics into a little prayer that we say over and over and over so that it doesn't mean anything to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And it's like we just, you know, 17 laps around the Our Fathers. And the problem is, is that that's not what God wants us to do. He's trying to give us a way of praying so that prayer is bidirectional. It's interactive. So now, whenever I begin to pray this prayer, and let me just say, I was really bad at praying when I first started as a Christian. And now it's not uncommon for me 
to pray for an hour, two, three hours. I remember training people and some people kept going six hours, seven hours because there's so much fascinating interaction going on. Now, if you'd like to learn how to pray, pull out your notes. Let's take some notes on this. Let's move forward because I want God to speak back to you in prayer like he speaks back to me. So you with me? Okay, a few of us. Okay, this side is a little bit more with me. This is good. I'm going to have to work on this side. Is there any a little bit more? Okay. So um, now, whenever I look at this, I look at this as kind of a series of pull-down menus. There's six topics. And every time I say the phrase, one of the phrases in the Lord's Prayer, then I just see a pull-down menu, actually a series of them, because then I know God may want to talk with me about this or this or this or this or this below that topic. And As I pray, as I interact with him on that, then he kind of makes different words, different phrases, kind of, oh, I want to talk about this. It's like, oh, okay. And the more you know of what's under that topic in the mind of God, the more you can pray and the more you can have God go back and forth with you. Okay, you with me here? Kind of like in a computer, just like I say this topic and then these menus come out and then, oh, hit that kind of thing. So now let's jump into it because the first one isn't a topic. It's the beginning. So hit the, there we go. Our father who art in heaven. Now, Jesus says that different than the way the disciples typically pray and the way we pray, we tend to think of God as a long ways off and almighty and powerful. And could you please grant me almost like we're praying to Oz, you know, the great and powerful Oz. Now, what Jesus says is don't go to God that way. He says, go to him as a father, kind of backdoor it. Kind of go, you are my father, my daddy, and I want to talk with you about some things I need. Now, he says, go through this familial thing, which was just blew the disciples' minds because they were like, that is not how we pray. That is not how we pray. And I almost think of that picture of John F. Kennedy's kids playing under the desk in the White House as kind of where, hey, hey, we're under here. Could we ask the president something? And, you know, dad, and that's how he's kind of saying, go with this whole thing. Now, the next part is where we miss it. Okay. Where it says, who art in heaven. Now we tend to think that who art in heaven means God's a long ways off. And so we've got to kind of shout kind of now Dallas Willard in his book, divine conspiracy tells us and helps us understand this a little bit more. He says, unfortunately, the old standard formulation causes people to think Our father who is far away. But the sense is actually our father always near to us. In the Old Testament, they were constantly finding an angel appearing or God speaking out of a bush or God being in the atmosphere around them. And so when Jesus says, I want you to pray our father who art in heaven, he thinks of our father who is in the atmosphere or all around us. Okay, now. That has two ideas. One of the things that's fascinating to me is that when I pray at night, especially I sit in one of my favorite chairs, I sit there and I kind of relax and I always turn my head. I don't know why I turn my head this way. And I say, Lord, Heavenly Father, I know you're here and you're you're all around me. And I keep my eyes closed. I just go, you're in this room. We need to talk. Now, one of the things I know according to the scriptures, and which is why he says who art in heaven, which means all around us, you're right here, is that God can put his response in my mind. He doesn't have to write it on a wall. He doesn't have to speak it audibly. He can just make it appear in my head. Does this make sense? 
because God is all around us. Sometimes God makes appear in my head, empty the dishwasher. And I know that's God because I would never think that. <laughs> I would never think that. Okay. It's like, oh, no, that's probably God. Is that or the devil uh, trying to mess up my day? And he just puts a thought in my head. It's like, okay, so when you pray, you can expect that God may put a thought back in your head in answer to that response. Does that make sense? In answer to your question. So that's what he's saying. Think about God being all around you, ready to respond when you talk to him about these six topics. So now we need to jump into these because you're already not listening fast enough. So uh, we need to kind of move through here. Hit this next one. The first one is hallowed be thy name. Now, what this topic is, is this is a topic about how great God is and how much you need to know something about him in your life for the next day or for that week. Now, when I pray this, I immediately think of all of God's attributes, that he is infinite, self-existent, spirit, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, immutable, holy, good, truthful, sovereign. And what God knows is I need to... I need to talk with God about who he needs to be in my life the next day or the next week. And so I just go right down and I just say, Lord, do I need to know that you're infinite? Do I need to know that you're spirit? Do I need to know that you are uh, personal? Do I need to know that you are omniscient? And, and so then God, I just, as I go through that and I've put this whole list there so that you could, you could have this list, God will just like one of the words just lights up. Like last night I was praying. And I'm praying for my daughters and I'm praying for different people. And God lights up goodness. God's good. And I'm thinking, yes, I need to know that you are good. And what goodness means is grace, love, and mercy. Now, goodness, grace part means that I get more than I deserve. Don't you feel that? That God sometimes gives you more than you deserve? And that he's going to give my kids more than they deserve. Yes, Lord, pour it on them. <laughs> and then love means that he's going to meet our needs. He's going to meet our needs. And so, Lord, yes, I want you to love me. I want you to love my wife. And so we go back and forth. Lord, what, how are you going to meet the needs? And then mercy means that he's going to give us less than we deserve. If God has mercy on you, then you get less than you deserve, right? Because in terms of punishment. And so, like, oh, yes, Lord, give them less than what they deserve in terms of the stupid things they do. Give me less than the stupid stuff I do. You know, and, and so we have this discussion. So last night, the Lord and I had this wonderful discussion about God being good to me and to my family. And Lord, how do you want to be good to my oldest? How do you want to be gracious to my youngest? How do you? And so we're going back and forth and having this discussion. Because do you ever get worried that God has forgotten your children or you? And God needs to remind you, I'm good. I'm, I want to talk with you about what I want to give you that's more than you deserve. I want to talk with you about I'm going to meet your needs. And I needed to talk about that last night with the Lord to reassure me. Do you ever have that? Or is that just me? Okay. Now, now hit the next one. We've got to move on. Okay. Thy kingdom come. This is another topic. And so when I'm praying down through the, the Lord's prayer and I get to this topic, then two different pull-down menus show up. First is when we're praying for the kingdom of God to come, there will be a day when Jesus Christ will return and he will set everything right. Isn't that an exciting possibility? Yes, it's going to be wonderful. And instead of just having three parties, instead of the Green Party, the Republican Party, and the Democratic Party, we're going to have the Jesus Party. And I'm voting for that party, okay? Yes, yes, and I want you to do your stuff, Jesus. And, and, and what 
that's what I, oh, Lord. And sometimes I need to talk about that because I'm, have you ever noticed that sometimes righteousness and justice doesn't happen through the governmental systems that we have? Or is that just only in Sacramento? Okay, where I'm from. Now, so, now, if I'm going to talk about that, then I pull over and I realize there's 10 more things that God says has to happen before he comes back and as he comes back. And that is there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be a great falling away from the faith. There's going to be a great tribulation. There's going to be the Antichrist showing up. There's going to be the abomination of desolations, the rapture, the return of Christ, the resurrection from the dead, the millennium judgment day and the new heavens. And so God may want to talk with me and I may need to talk with him about one of those 10 things because, boy, it certainly seems like we've got a lot of people falling away. We've got a lot of people who are, you know, wars and rumors of wars. And so I talk with God about that. And I say, Lord, could you just come? Could you just come? You know, now, how many of you have ever prayed, Lord, would you just come this week? Because this would be a good week to miss. <laughs> no one who is getting married at the end of the week ever prays that. I just to let you know, I do a lot of premarital counseling. <laughs> they're not, they're praying, Lord, could you wait at least two weeks before you come? Because I want to be married at least a week. So anyway, especially guys. Okay, now, now. The other thing that God may want us to talk about with him in the whole area of thy kingdom come, and this is where he and I talk about this a lot, is this whole idea of, God, could you pour your kingdom through me today? Could I be your kingdom agent? Notice what he says. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what God is saying in many cases is he's saying, would you be willing to be my agent, to do my will in your world today. And you go, okay, Lord, sign me up. I want to be your agent. I want to be the one who does what you want. And at least in one little spot where I am, the kingdom of God shows up. Now, I was teaching on this material uh, uh, about a month or so ago at a retreat, and I was trying to give them the idea how people could become the agents of God. And so the Lord, we were talking about various things, he and I, and, and so he came up with this illustration. I thought, okay, that's interesting. And so I went and got $50 out of the bank, and I got in $5 bills. And so then I said, how many of you would like to be the agent of God? And so a bunch of people raised their hands. I said, come on up, come on up, come on up. So about 10, 12 of them came up, and I had to send three back, okay? So I had 10 of them lined up on the front, and I said, okay, here's what you're going to be. You're going to be the agent of God, and I'm giving you $5. So $5, $5, $5, $5, $5. All 10 of them. I said, I want you to go wherever God tells you and give it to whoever God tells you. You can't spend it on yourself. You can give it to somebody in the room. You can give it to a homeless person. But the key thing is you have to sense God wants me to give it to that person. Okay? And so it was very interesting. People said, oh, wow, this was wonderful. When they came back, they said, I, I was directed to give it to this waitress and give her an extra tip. And I was, I was directed to give it to this homeless person and whatever else. Now, one of the most interesting things that happened was one of the people who came up and didn't get to be an agent of God in my little experiment, she was, and she prayed because she had just lost her job and she just started taking care of her ailing mother who was older. And she said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just don't know how I'm going to do this. And so after she didn't get selected to be the agent, she said she prayed quietly. Nobody knew this. She just prayed, Lord, would you have two of those 10 people give me their $5 to let me know that you know my situation and that you're going to take care of me? So, okay. So what was interesting was, is that over the course of the next hour, two people without her saying a word came up to her and said, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to give you this $5. 
Now, as she was walking back to her seat before two of the people gave her their five dollars, somebody was just sitting on the aisle and just said, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to give you this. And he gave her a hundred dollar bill. And she went, this is better than I thought. (laughs) And so I heard about it. She had one hundred and ten dollars because she prayed and God had just brought his love to her. And so I asked her to come up at the next meeting to talk about it. Now, before she could come up and talk about it and anybody knew about it, she came back up the middle aisle and and somebody said, I don't know why, but I just need to give you this and gave her a check for four hundred dollars. So by the time she got up to talk about it, she had five hundred and ten dollars. And she just said, it's just blowing my mind because I've never said it. Nobody knew this. But, you know, and then she said, I lost my job. And and over the next week, some who knew about it and some who didn't, she received over a thousand ninety seven dollars. And she just said, God made his kingdom available to me through various people. Now, sometimes it involves money. Sometimes it involves other people. Sometimes it involves a a comment, a listening, a whatever. And you just say, God, I'm available to you. What do you want me to do? And I had to laugh because I pray this every morning. And yet every day God will bring, I'll go, God, how did you know that I could help that person in that way? And maybe it's just listening or talking. Um, And it was just, it was just fascinating. It was just fascinating to me. In fact, Two Sundays ago, I was standing at church just in the little welcome center, and there was a person who came up, and, and he said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes, you can ask me a question. And he said, I need to talk with you, and he wanted to talk about this very complex theological issue. And I realized he came up to me. He didn't know. I just happened to love that topic, and I have all of this, inf- so I just buried him in information. He wouldn't go into the service, but I could tell him all about Jesus and everything. And I just thought, you had him wait until I got there because you wanted me to talk about that. And I just, God is so good. Now, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And God will, if you're willing to interact with him, he's willing to have you become his agent. Now, let me show you one more aspect of this. Hit the next one. One of the ways you can be his agent is by allowing the fruit of the spirit to flow through your life. Now, my wife and I, we have a very good marriage. I just love her. She's amazing. And uh, we, we've just been bumping along with a good marriage. It's just been very good. Now, I don't know, four or five years ago, we went through some difficult times and different things, not together, but separately in different vocational and different other kinds of things. And in the midst of that, God just prompted me he, he just, because I, th- I would think, oh, man, she's so amazing. About and he'd say, I want you to tell her every time you think of a good thought about her. And so I started texting her. I was just texting her two or three times this morning. I, I, I started saying to her, oh, you look wonderful in that top. Oh, and you're so amazing. Oh, a magic underwear drawer. It just refilled. I was shocking. And, and so, and God asked me, to be a conduit of his joy to her every time. And so he's filling my mind with, doesn't she great there? Look at this, look at that, look at this. And so, you know what? She likes this. She finds this very enjoyable. And it's just taken our marriage to a whole nother level because she feels the joy of God flow towards her. 
Does this make sense? Now, that's how sometimes you can be the kingdom agent in your home. Now, let's hurry on. Okay, the next topic. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the topic in which you get to say, God, I have needs. And this is where God wants to go back and forth with you about how to get what you need and what he wants you to pray for and that kind of thing. And the question that I'm always prompted to ask is, what do I really need in this arena of my life to make it fully healthy and fully alive? Now, one of the things that happens is I... I have a vocational life, a career life. And so I work at this church, this wonderful church. And what they don't know is that God and I are conspiring to move the church so that it will be perfectly wonderful for me. And I pray, Lord, I could really use this kind of staff person and I could really use this. And could you do that? And what about this? And you know what's fascinating? I I don't tell. I just pray, pray. And God and I talk about it. And then I love it when the senior pastors come to me and they go, We've been thinking and we're thinking about adding this staff person and rearranging your department this way. And I go, did you know that God is saying, I want you to tell me about what you think would be the best way to be the most righteous and the most godly and the best person. And I want you to ask me for that. And let's just now what's interesting is my wife is even better at it than I am, because when I pray, there's often like a six month delay. My wife only has like a couple week delay. So I will just say, could you pray for these over here? And because I, I wanted to speed up a little bit. And there's just this fascinating interaction. Now, one of the things that I do is I have this chart in my head. And I know that these are the nine relationships in all of our lives. Work, family, marriage, finances, God, friends, church, society and self. And so I say, Lord, what do you want me to ask you for in terms of myself? Or what do you want me to ask you for in terms of my family? What do you want me to ask you for in terms of finances? And so I have written out goals, written out ideas. And what I will do is I'll say, Lord, here's how I think about each one of those. If life were ideal five years from now in this category, as near as I can say, righteously ideal, not wickedly ideal, righteously ideal, what would it be like? And so I'll write a bunch of things down and then I'll start praying for that. Now, I started doing this about 15 years ago. And what I'm amazed at is I write all this stuff down, about 80 to 90 percent of what I wrote down. God did. And then the other stuff, he did better than what I wrote. And I just pray about it. And I say, Lord, as near as I know. Now, if you think that what I wrote is bad and you want to give me an upgrade, that's fine. And so sometimes God gives me an upgrade. It's just amazing. Prayer is this dynamic interaction between you and God about how can you be more righteous? How can you accomplish what God would want and you would want in this area so that people would see God? Does this make sense? You with me here? Okay, some of you are still with me. Okay, now let's go on. Okay, the next topic that God says we need to talk with him on a regular basis is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How many of you have ever been deeply hurt or wounded by someone? All right, good, good, good. The rest of you are lying, okay? And uh, it's all right. We'll talk about that later. Now, if you live in the world we live in, what Jesus is saying by this statement is you will be hurt by people. People will stab you in the back. They will betray you. They will be selfish on you. They will do what they want. And if you just 
Oh, they're terrible. I didn't deserve this. If you do that, then your resentments will build up. Have you ever noticed that sometimes resentment can build up? Now, I was teaching on this material a couple of weeks ago, and I said, do you know what your resentment is like? Your resentment is like your keys, and you have them in your hand. I'm so mad at so-and-so for messing up and not letting me get that promotion or this person because they messed with me or my brother because he did this or my father because he did this or my mother didn't do that, and you just... Now, what Jesus is saying is, You need to forgive them, not because they deserve it, because they probably don't. But you need to forgive them so that you can move into the future. Now, this is the way I describe it. I said, you need to drop your keys. That's what forgiveness is. Stop putting energy into the resentment so that you can go on, so that you can go into the future. What I see is that many, many of us, we hold so tightly to our keys to the resentments and the bitternesses and the justified hurts that have happened to us, that this can become our identity. This is the woman who had this happen to her. This is the man who had his business stolen from him. This is the young person who had this happen at school. Now, what Jesus is saying is we live in a sinful world that God has not fully redeemed. This will happen. What you have to do is you have to, on a regular, if not daily basis, is saying, this is what I say, Lord, Is there anybody that I haven't forgiven that I need to forgive, that I just need to drop the resentment? Now, and do you know what I know? Many times I've dropped, I said, Lord, I forgive them, I forgive them. And then two days from now, somehow the keys are back in my hand. (laughs) And I need to have a different discussion about it because something brought it up or whatever. Does this make sense? That's why Jesus says, you got to be careful of this. Now, How do you drop your keys? How do you drop the resentments so that they don't spoil your future? Well, let me just ask you this question. Have you ever known anyone who has wrecked their life because they're so bitter at someone they refuse to move on? We all do. We all do. Now, hopefully, it's not you that someone knows. And it's, now let me just say quite clearly, it is not because you shouldn't forgive them because they deserve to be forgiven. They don't. They deserve to be punched or whatever. But you need to forgive them so that the spirit of God can move you into the future. You need to drop your keys. Now, how do you do that? The Bible, in my opinion, gives us at least 22 exercises for how to do that. I only have time to give you three of them. Okay. You ready for these? Okay. The first one is you have to emotionally vomit. You have to figure out how to get all of that hatred, all of that stuff. Isn't that a disgusting picture of that guy? Okay. And now you need to find a safe person. You need to find a safe person, a pastor, a counselor, a friend. Now, if they're not safe, don't share with them. Does that make sense? But what all of the psychologists, all of the scriptures talk about is You have to take the hurt and the pain and you have to get it out, writing it out, speaking it out, saying it out to someone because that's how you get it out and it changes your perspective, okay? Now, if you don't have anyone safe in your life, then rent a friend. They cost about $80 an hour. They're called counselors and I've had to say to someone, I just need you to sit there so that I can vomit all over you and get this out. Okay, I need, to, I need to get this out, and other people can't handle it because it's just too toxic. Does that make sense? And, and now the counselors are much better than that, but 
sometimes that's what you have to use them for, just vomit catchers, okay? And, and you just, you got to get it out because here's the deal. If you don't get it out, the keys are still in your hand. You got to get that out. Now, there's a whole theology and stuff like that that I'll, I'll let Pastor Dave explain. Okay, let's go on. Hire God as your hitman is also one of the most exciting and dynamic verses. Look what it says in Romans. I, many of you don't believe it. This is really forgiveness for the real world. Okay. Romans 12, 12, 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If you're going to get this out of your hands, you have to say, God, here's my resentment. Here's all that they did to me. I want to give it to you and I want to have you get them. And that's what he says. Give the vengeance to me. Now, what you say is, God, you know them better. If they don't deserve it, even though I really think they do, then you, you don't let them. But you decide it all. I'm going to give it all to you. That's what Jesus says. Give it all to, to him because he can decide. Does that make sense? Now, I usually say, Lord, here's where they live. And if you need some suggestions about what needs to happen to them, here's a few suggestions and some things. And I, you've got to be honest. Just give it up because he's saying, hire God. Now, what God says in the scriptures in another place is he says, if I start punishing the person who hurt you and you start celebrating too much, I'll stop. So he says, you kind of have to just say, oh, so sad to hear that happening to you. <laughs> Golly shucks. Uh, and, and God, just want, you know, you just kind of have to, okay, Lord, Lord, I'm letting you handle it um, and whatever you need. Because he does, I don't want you to then be the perpetrator on somebody else. But but I hand a lot of stuff over to the Lord. And it is so fun to watch God because he knows where they live. That, well, there's a whole story. I can tell you. No, let's go on. Okay, hit the next one. Okay. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Now, this is a very interesting topic, but it is fascinating that Jesus says this is one of the topics you need to bring up to God on a regular basis. Did you know? Did you know that God loves you so much that he is going to sign you up for courses you don't want to take. He's going to sign you up for humility 101, anger management 301, mercy 201. He's going to sign you up for brokenness 101. And you're going, I don't want that course. No, no. And let me help you understand. Every course that God enrolls you in, it's for your good. And every course has quizzes, tests, and finals. And if you don't pass the final, guess what happens? The course repeats. Some people have been in the same anger management course for 40 years. Because they refuse to ever get better. Okay? Now, what's interesting about this is Jesus says... The, the word periosmos, the word we translate temptation, could be translated better the word testing or trials. It can also mean temptation, but in this context, I think it, what it means is Jesus saying, lead us not into testing. So do you know what Jesus says? He's like the professor, and he says, if you ask me, I'll let you out of the final. If you study hard. Now, it's like, how do I get out of the final? How do I get out of the pop quiz for tomorrow? Did you know that God has some quizzes? He has some tests and some finals ready for you. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe when you drive the freeway. And the idiots are on the freeway with you. I heard someone describe there's only two kinds of people on the freeway. The maniacs who are driving faster than me and the idiots who are in my way. 
but that's more of your problem. But anyway, that's all another story. Now, what I want to do, I don't know about you, but I want to pass out of all of the tests I can. I want to pass out. Now, here's how I do that. Hit this next one. Here, I, what I do is I open the book of Proverbs and I read prayerfully through the Proverbs. So whatever day it is, like last night I was at the fourth, so I read the fifth proverb and I read some other verses um, or the fifth Psalm, the other Psalms. And I just say, Lord, what do you know about tomorrow that I need to know? And so I prayerfully, very slowly read through the proverb and the Psalm until a verse of scripture just stands out. Just it's like, I need to pay attention to this verse. And boy, have, there have been so many times where I'm reading in a proverb. And like one time it said, I was reading and it said, he who restrains his lips is wise, but he who opens wide his mouth is a fool. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to be tempted to say things tomorrow I shouldn't say. So I looked at my schedule and I said, I bet it's this meeting. So I go through that whole meeting kind of, you know, biting my tongue. <laughs> and I made it through. And, I, yeah! and then I go two meetings later and then a bunch of people said really dumb things. And, and I wanted to add to the imbecility and I could feel And it's like the Lord just taught me, it's this meeting. This is the meeting. <laughs> Sometimes my body even betrays me. I say things like, I probably shouldn't say this, but it's my own body saying, shut up, stupid. And what I know that God knows what tomorrow will bring. And I love reading at least one thing that will allow me to pass one test for tomorrow. Does this make sense? So this is how I do it. I've put it all on there. You can take a look at that. Or you can write it down. Uh, hit the next one. You guys are not listening fast enough. Okay. But deliver us from evil. One of the things that we pray is that God, even if I mess up, even if I don't pass the test, could you deliver me from the evil that is designed to destroy me? Could you deliver me from that? And there is evil of all kinds around us, pride, envy, sloth, anger, lust, greed, gluttony, addictions, all kinds of things. Did you really, does it seem to you like there's more and more things around that could destroy you than there ever used to be? Yeah, it's like it's just popping up everywhere of every kind of variety, okay? And what God says is, let's talk about what's, what's trying to suck you in, what's trying to suck you into destruction. And it might, be, it might be all kinds of different things. But here's the picture that I get. Hit this next one. This is the picture of Yellowstone Park. And in Yellowstone Park, there is a pathway that goes down to where the, the certain pools are. And they tell you, stay on the path, stay on the path, stay on the path. At this part, nobody ever stays on the path. Everybody's like, ah, oh, it's just... <laughs> but then you get to this part, and you have to stay on the path. Because you're going... It's a little wooden raised platform, and you have to stay on it because there's pools all around you that are bubbling, they're hot, they look beautiful. In fact, many of them look like this. They just... And they call to you, come, get into me. It's got little jacuzzi jets. It's just, oh, it's beautiful. And the park ranger will tell you when they gather you. I remember there's one place where you wait. There's no railings on the fence, on the little walkway. And he says, you see that? That looks beautiful, doesn't it? looks like it would be very wonderful to go sit in, doesn't it? It's 350 degrees and it's acid. And it will burn you alive within seconds. And every year we have people who go, I'm coming to you. They jump off the path and they go into it and they get killed. 
every year at Yellowstone Park. The devil is doing the same thing for many of us and many of our friends. He's saying, I know Jesus says that the way is narrow and the path is small, but why don't you just try a little of this? And why don't you just do a little of that? Nobody will know. And you go sit in a pool of acid and you wonder why your life is stuck. What many of us have to realize is that we need to talk about to Jesus, say, Lord, deliver me from evil. Deliver me from what stupid things I could do. Show me the way of escape. Have you ever, have you ever watched your kids just be stupid? <laughs> and you, you've told them, go this way, go this way, go this way. And then they're going, this looks so inviting. <laughs> and you want to just walk up behind them with a syringe of wisdom and inject them right in the rear end. <laughs> oh, and you pray for them. And I, I, last night I was just praying. I was praying. I was praying for my kids. Please. I, you know, it's, it's so hard to not be a parent and to let adult children be adults. And yet at the same time, you're saying, Lord, deliver them. And Lord, deliver me because I can be just as stupid. I can be just as foolish. I can, I can want to go sit in a pool of acid because I think it's going to be good. Don't let me do that. Deliver me. Show me the way of escape. Now, does this, does he, you understand what I'm talking about? Six topics in which God says, let's have a dialogue. And God can answer you back in your mind and you go, oh. and, he's t- and it's the most amazing thing. Last night, I just had to say, Lord, could we go to bed? Because I, I really need to get some sleep. I got to get up early. I got to drive. Because it's so amazing. It just keeps going. The dialogue just keeps going. Now, I would like to tell you that out there, we have some of these books because this is the latest book I wrote. But I just did this conference Tuesday night in Folsom and they bought all of the books I had. So you guys just have to do it and not read about it. Actually, you can go on Amazon and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so excited about having you pray this and having God interact with you. And then you can say, next time I'm here, whenever Dave invites me, or maybe this is the last time because he's heard this message or something. You can say, wow, my prayer life took a leap forward because God and I are going back and forth. Would you let me pray for you? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, the Lord Jesus, and I pray that your embrace and your love would be strong upon us, that we might begin to hear you. We might begin to talk about these crucial ideas, these topics that you want to talk with us about, that you want to respond to our questions and what's going to happen and What do I need to know about you? And each one of these are so involved. Lord, as you know, some of them, I just, I only get one of them discussed in a whole night of prayer. Lord, my hope is, is that this opens up this whole wonder of prayer to all of these folks and that they can begin to hear you guiding them, speaking to them, interacting with them, directing them, helping them pass tests and be delivered from evil. Watch over us and guard us and keep us. In Jesus' name, amen.